Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yow, show number 2094. Be prepared to be inspired. Today, we're going to talk about an iconic car, the Viper. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Indian River, Michigan, with a very special guest by the name of Roy Schoberg. Roy, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Absolutely, Mark. No kidding. I think you you are born ready. Now, before I give you a proper introduction and we talk about an amazing history you've had and what you're doing today, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about Roy Schulberg? That I was educated in Quebec, kind of uh, Anglais Québécois. <laughs> we and were... it was uh, a wonderful time. And when you mentioned MGs, we had the first MGTDs in North America. Uh, because we were in Montreal and, at that time, part of the Commonwealth. Okay, very cool. Yeah, for you listeners, so we had a nice little pre-show chat, and Roy was kind enough to ask me when I first got interested in cars, and I told him it was with my dad's 49 MGTC when I was about four or five years old. And I'll tell you, Roy, my dad later in life, much later in life, found a little TD that he bought because that TC had long gone away and uh, drove that around. I've got a great picture of him with my kids when they were little. Uh, in that car. So the MG was a, boy, that was a car that kind of made a big change over here in the Americas. It certainly did. And uh, of course, started uh, the sports car racing. Yes. And uh, on air air bases, uh, thanks to a General LeMay at the time, who was, uh, had the SAC command and allowed uh, sports cars on the air bases to run uh, run races. Oh, interesting bit of history there. I didn't know that. Wow, that was the beginning. Well, a lot of famous people raced MGs that went on to be fabulous and successful race car drivers. So uh, they hold a special place in my heart. But today we're going to talk about something that's got a lot more power than an MG. So allow me to give you a proper introduction. Okay. Roy Schoberg is the owner of Team R Squared, where he provides automotive consulting and manufactures aftermarket automotive components. He's the holder of over a half dozen domestic and international patents and is nationally acknowledged by SPE with three Plastic Part of the Year awards. He's received SPE's Lifetime Award for contributions to the plastic industry as well. Roy was named Executive Engineer Viper Project back in 1989. In that position, he created and managed the project team for the development and production of the Dodge Viper. The platform team concept envisioned by Roy to bring the Viper to production became the corporate-wide organizational structure for Chrysler. He held various engineering positions at GM as well, and most memorable were three years as development manager for his longtime friend, Zora Arcus Duntoff. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsor, so please give them a listen. They keep the lights on here. Keep your seatbelts on. We're going to be talking about Vipers and a whole lot more. We'll be right back. 
Covercraft's newest three-layer all-climate cover is especially engineered for moderate weather conditions and it's treated with an extra UV-resistant formula. It's soft, it's breathable, and it's easy to store, all while pampering your paint, providing maximum UV, rain, and dust protection. If you live where it's windy, no worries. Simply add their gust guards for windy conditions to add extra protection to keep your cover in place. Your three-layer all-climate cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form and fit with the quality and attention to detail that's been their tradition since 1965. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft, too. Every one of my vehicles is protected with a Covercraft cover. And I have a deal for you. Use the code yeah 21 Y-E-A-H-2-1 at Covercraft.com and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order plus free shipping. That's right. So get 10% off with free shipping by simply using the code yeah 21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. The great Dale Carnegie said, knowledge isn't power until it's applied. Zengen is an oil analysis kit that allows you to sample your engine's oil and gain valuable knowledge about your engine's inner health. Get your knowledge with a personalized detailed Zengen report today at only $39.95 and free shipping both ways. Your Zengen oil analysis costs less than an oil change and not only provides you with the knowledge of the inner workings of your engine, but then empowers you with options to avoid costly repairs or future breakdowns. Their easy-to-use sample kit takes less than five minutes to collect your sample and mail it back to the world-class labs. In only five days, they'll send you a link to your very own engine score via email. Your report measures 30 different data points, including lubricants, metals, contamination, additives, and a whole lot more. Zengen gives you knowledge, empowering you to avoid a future problem. One of those that you never knew was coming. Father's Day is coming and Zengen gives dad the gift of knowledge. What a gift. Give your dad his very own Zengen oil kit today and you'll make him smile. Visit ZengenScore.com and order your oil test kit. Use the code CARSYA20 and they'll give you 20% off your first two kits. Preventative knowledge and maintenance could save you thousands. And you'll rest better at night knowing your engine's condition is A-OK or maybe needs a little help. That's ZengineScore.com and use the code CARSYA20 today. When it was time to renew my collector car policy, my carrier raised my rates by a lot. But why? My usage was the same, my car's value was the same, and I had never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. The only change was their rate, and they had no reason why. What's with that? I researched my options, I spoke to others, and with American Collectors Insurance is where I now have my policy. What a difference. A live person actually answers the phone. She spent time learning about me and provided a reasonable quote. American Collectors Insurance now protects my special ride. I'm saving hundreds of dollars and I can sleep at night knowing my baby is properly insured. Why wait until your next premium is due? Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote. Call 866-AC1-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. 
So, Roy, we are back. So I want to dive a little deeper into your past career before we bring it forward to what you're doing today. Boy, you've been around a while. You've done some cool things and you've worked some very interesting people. How did you first get into the automotive world? Well, as I said, we lived in Quebec and uh, my brothers uh, and I uh, had some MGTDs and uh, did rallying in Quebec. And then we moved to Michigan and got into the Sports Car Club of America, uh, along with Harry Constance and some other uh, key people in the metropolitan area. Started uh, racing. My brother got a uh, Porsche uh, 356 and did quite well with it uh, at the airport races, uh, Chinooth Air Force Base. Uh, up in Grayling, a number of places that we went to. And uh, I got bit <laughs> and loved it. And I was more the pit crew than the driver at that time. But it was a lot of fun going to the SCCA events and meeting the people and uh, some really interesting people. Now, from there, did you go off to school and study engineering? And that's what you got into the, the automotive world, the manufacturing world? Who got into, uh, yeah, went to the University of Michigan in nuclear engineering. Nuclear engineering, wow. Nuclear engineering, but uh, that faded, and I decided I ought to do my hobby, which was cars, uh, having rebuilt a 35 Ford and uh, also in uh, some Renaults. But uh, got into uh, General Motors and uh, found that I really uh, loved fast cars and uh, had a fortunate time with Zora Arcus Duntoff, um, his development manager on the Corvette. We did some racing, uh, but which Zora always loved. And then uh, my children grew up old enough that they wanted to go racing. So my daughter and I uh, campaigned a... Uh, a Dodge Neon, had fun with it, and then she grew up to a Firebird, did a number of races at Waterford, Elkhart Lake, Mid-Ohio, and just pursued the racing career. So when Leah Coco offered me the opportunity on the, on the Viper, uh, I didn't need any time to think about it. I said yes. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, let's talk a no little bit. Kidding. About, let's talk a little bit about that Viper project because uh, wow, when the Viper came out, I think a lot of people went, "Whoa, what's going on?" It was one of those vehicles that a manufacturer brought to market, and everybody went, "All right, this is darn cool." Can you can you walk us through maybe some of the interesting aspects of your early days there? And I know that you were very integral in creating a system there at Chrysler that became a corporate-wide structure for that company. So walk us through some of the fun times there. Well, the interest on uh, Iacocca's part, I think it was Roden Track, gave uh, a world-class award to Chrysler for its cup holder. It's cup holder. And that was wow. all. It's wow. cup holder. So uh, Lee Iacocca was not happy with that. And uh, that's when he agreed to the concept of Bob Lutz's and Francois Castang uh, of having a, uh, a really fast car, not a K car. 
And so I had the pleasure of uh, doing that. But it was, uh, we were still in what some people call chimneys in the bureaucratic system of large corporations. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I told Lee that um, I had to have a complete team, not only engineers, manufacturing, purchasing, marketing, had to have a complete team uh, that would be responsible for doing the new Viper. And uh, he and Bob Lutz agreed, and we and Francois supported it. So uh, I had a meeting with those gentlemen and asked for volunteers. And uh, we had about uh, 150 uh, male and females show up interested in the Viper. And from that group, I picked the original uh, 25 uh, participants but they all had to have an interest in in cars or motorcycles or speed. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they all did. Wow. And uh, they, came, uh, they came from really weird places, but they had a history. And uh, I, the one I really think of is Dave Bucheski, who became our chassis engineer. And he was in program management, had nothing to do with design. Whoa. But he knew everything about it and uh, loved to do it at home on his own time. So when he was offered the job on Viper, he immediately said, I got to do it. Yeah. And uh, he, had, uh, he had a lot of fun with it, and we all did. This platform team concept, was that something new in the automotive industry across the board? Uh Yes. Uh, because everybody wanted their own niche, be it manufacturing, be it sales, be it purchasing, be it engineering. Mm -hmm. And the concept of integrating everybody in one room, no offices, no walls, everybody was next to each other. When we first got together, what was interesting, everybody faced a wall. They were all on the periphery of this huge room that we were in. And uh, it took about five weeks. And my administrative assistant, Lydia Fleming, said, did you know, notice what happened today? And I said, no. She said, the last desk turned around. <laughs> and we were all looking at each other. Wow. And uh, so that... That really integrated us, and we partied together, we worked hard together, we did very late hours together, but it was a team development, and to me, that was the number one success, and so successful that, you know, 30 years later from when we started, 32 years later, we still get together, we still tell stories. I still learn things that I didn't know went on. Uh, it, it, the team is still very much alive and enjoys being together. Wow. Isn't this interesting? Because this is a concept that really took a long time, if not decades, until it came into a more modern 
workplace. I remember back in the 80s, I worked in advertising and I used to do a lot of work for commercial realtors. And I went into the Trammell Crow offices in San Diego for the first time and they had that concept. All the desks were facing inward. You walked down the middle. Everybody looked at each other. They looked at people walking through. The boss was in the corner, but not in an office. People could meet in conference rooms if they needed quiet. And I thought, this is really unique. What What's going on here? Where's all the cubicles? Where's all the offices? But it seems to have worked, and it does work for many companies, very well for what you guys did there at Viper. Wow. Very cool. It does. Yeah, I had I had what everybody called the Viper Bell, and when, when I needed everyone's attention, I'd ring the bell. <laughs> and we'd all get together uh, at the area that was critical, be it a chassis item, a body item, a marketing item or a supplier item, and we'd all decide and uh, come to an agreement. So everyone walked away from those get-togethers knowing exactly what we're doing, why we're doing it, and when it's got to be done. You know, tremendous, and we look back now at that idea and it seems so obvious, but you're you're absolutely right before, and it still happens in companies today, these silos create or chimneys and nobody speaks to each other or right. they pretend they agree and then they go back to their do- their little room and shut the door and go, I didn't like that at all. Right. And they self-sabotage and yeah, very interesting. So as you guys developed the Viper, what were some of the interesting things that came out of the beginning concept of what that car was going to be and what it ended up actually being? Hmm. Well, it was pretty basic to start with. I mean, we didn't have windows, primarily because uh, at at the start, uh, low volume is not necessarily attractive for a lot of suppliers. So we started out like the MG. We started out with side curtains and tonneau covers and a marginal top, convertible top. But the thrust of it was... Uh, as Bob Lutz said, pretend it's like a sea ray on the water. You're only going out in it in beautiful days and just having a wonderful time. Wow. And so that was our concept. And so we didn't worry so much about the fact that the top wasn't the best to start with, uh, that it was, it was an open car to enjoy on beautiful days. And we we went and bought a uh, Cobra replica so we could have a sense of what it was like. And when we bought that Cobra, it didn't have a top. The guy never owned a top. Okay. He only drove it on nice days. Right. And so that kind of uh, fulfilled our, our thought anyway. So we started out as... A race car that's a passenger car, drivable on the road, and then worked our way up. And as we were able to get more suppliers on board because because of the popularity of the vehicle, we we then were able to do windows and, and other issues and got more suppliers on board to get to the vehicle we got to. When you look at the Viper and when it came out, it was so different looking, mainly in my memory and mind was much more voluptuous, I guess I would say, roundish, if you will, and had this stance about it that was just like, whoa, it's like ready to pounce. I guess that plays off of the, the name Viper, you know, snake about ready to pounce. Right. What were some of the key 
concepts with the design aspect of that vehicle that got it to where it became? Well, I think Tom Gale was uh, vice president of design at the time. He was the one that really helped us nail the design and stay true to what Bob Hubbock and Bob Ackerman uh, and Ernie Berry and the designers who did the actual play work on on the Viper, uh, he kept them true to that, and we kept true with the design. So uh, the car very much looks like the concept car that uh, was done by metal crafters in California. In fact, we put the first prototype next to the concept car, and Tom Gale came out to approve it, and uh, he picked the prototype thinking that was the concept car. So we knew we'd, we'd hit a home run <laughs> with uh, with the execution. Yeah. But yeah. it's a great vehicle. The The looks are fantastic. Uh, we, had, we had several incidences where when, uh, as you know, as a, a former racer, uh, when you look at something, you tend to steer towards it. And so we had some other vehicles that they'd be looking at the Viper and coming closer and closer, <laughs> yes. pushing us off the road. And uh, I remember when our uh, our body designer, Joe Dapsey, got pushed into a railing, and he immediately called me and said, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. Yeah. I, had to, I had to avoid this person who was just looking at us. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> yeah. That's a problem. <laughs> we had some interesting experiences. Man, that's, yeah. that's wild. You know, I like to ask about driving, what I call driving inspirations, people that are key mentors or influential people in your life, no doubt in the automotive world. And I mentioned one at the beginning, of course, Zora, uh, that are, are there people that have been really, or maybe one person that stands out we could talk about today that's been very influential in your life, in your automotive career? Well, Zora was. Uh, and became a, a very good friend and and the first non-Chrysler employee to drive a Viper. He came out to the Chelsea Proving Grounds to uh, to check me out and uh, had had fun doing that. But I'd, I'd say in the in the car business, the other fellow that really was influential in my life was David E. Davis and. Uh, he uh, he was a great friend and longtime friend, and uh, almost married my sister. Really, that would be one. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, at that time he was selling used Volkswagens, and my father thought, uh, "I don't want my daughter marrying a used car, car salesman." salesman. <laughs> wow. So uh, so that didn't happen. Yeah. But uh, David loved to race, and he loved cars. And uh, was a wonderful friend. You have hung out with some icons in the industry, my friend. That's that's absolutely incredible. Well, when we come back from a short, got lucky. Yeah. Well, there you go. When we come back from a short break, we're going to talk a bit about some of the big challenges that you faced in your career. Maybe one in particular. So keep that in mind, and we'll be right back. Okay. I've teamed up with Auto Geek because. 
Well, they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories, for more than 20 years. Their Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax is specially formulated from Brazilian Carnuba Wax. It's easy to apply on any paint surface and provides that warm glow that we love, especially me on my vehicles. You're going to love it too. A favorite of car shows countrywide, Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax from AutoGeek, wipes on easily, requires no drying time, is easy to remove, and provides up to 90 days of protection against damaging environmental contaminants. This wax is designed to exceed the standards of the most discriminating enthusiasts and collectors. Go to autogeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their very skilled technical support. Autogeek.net. That's where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual informed, reasoned opinion based on firsthand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey and be sure to use the code cars. Yeah. When you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom. Linkage geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at linkagemag.com. 20, 50 or a hundred years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. The RPM Apprenticeship Program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah. So, Roy, let's talk about this. Uh, No doubt developing automobiles, developing products as you do in your business. uh, There's some challenges in that. There's maybe some obstacles, maybe even a failure or two. But I'd love for you to share one in particular that taught you a really valuable lesson that you took forward in a positive way. Well, my aspiration always has been to influence the design community and improve design knowledge through benchmarking, through learning the overall uh, importance of understanding your environment and the background that you're trying to design into. And so, uh, I think the the really big lesson I had was the midship Corvette uh, that uh, I did the design work for Zora, and uh, I had I had a gentleman Oli Fresnel who was Swedish, 
but he was a packaging and a design uh, guru and uh, only worked for me. And I'd, I'd be looking over his shoulder and he'd say, go away. I've got to get the benchmark. I've got to get the background. Don't bother me until I have all the things that control what I want to design uh, on on paper at that in those days. Uh, now it's in the computer. And that was a really important lesson to me to learn to take to the Viper in that it, it wasn't just a chassis or an engine or a body. It had to be the total package. And each individual, whether they were a body engineer or a chassis engineer or a manufacturing engineer, had to consider that total package. Very cool. Uh, it sounds easy. But I'm sure it was not, right? It was not, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'd love to talk a bit more about your business nowadays, Team R Squared, and your work in uh, aftermarket components and the plastic, making of plastic goods. Can you tell us more about what you're doing today? Well, it's uh, more in the plastic end, but again, design and putting design aspects to using plastic and taking advantage of its attributes. That's why I uh, work through SPE and uh, in helping companies do the right things for their plastic products, understanding the design aspects and the influence that the material qualities will have on how it performs in, in the design attributes. Fascinating. You think about plastics and the effect they've had in the automotive industry, well, the whole world, but the automotive industry in particular, and I go back to that comment of where Chrysler got the plastic cup holder award, (laughs) kind of upset the big guy a little bit, but I kind of get it. But you think about what that component, somewhat simple component of plastics, plus the fact that virtually recyclable and can be reused over and over and over again, has made a tremendous impact on how we live. I don't think there's anything that we touch, don't touch every day that isn't that component, right? That's true. Yeah, it's just That's true. absolutely amazing. What is the most interesting, or maybe I should use the word amazing again, aspect of creating things using plastic for you? Being the first there <laughs> before yeah. anybody else. Yeah. And uh, which is why I got some of the plastic awards. That's the fun part being up front and uh, looking over your shoulder back at the people following you. And I have a granddaughter now who wants to get into recycling of plastics and uh, goes to Lehigh University. So that'll be really fun watching watching her develop and uh, using my network of uh, people in the industry. That'll just be fun watching. Ah, it's got to make you... Uh... A glow with pride, I'm sure. Just a big beaming smile on your face. Amen. Yeah. How fun is that? That's cool. Let's talk about a special vehicle in your life. One special vehicle that really stands out. I'm I'm guessing it might be the Viper, but maybe there's something else. And maybe share a story about that special ride. Well, a special would be the one I sent you the picture of, the GTSR, the Viper race car, which the team built. Nobody else built, uh, and the primary reason for that, we uh, we went to Bobby Ray Hall, we went to Penske, we went to other racers 
to see about developing a, a Viper race car. The first thing was they all wanted about $30 million a year in a three-year contract. I had $5 million from Francois uh, to do a race car. So that limited it. Mm -hmm. And the second part was, I said, uh, being a former race racer, uh, I want production parts in that race car. I don't want your lifters or your cam or your whatever. I want Viper components because, A, they're affordable, and, B, I can get them. I don't, I don't have to go to California or Argentina to, to try to, uh, to build something. I've, I've got it readily available. So, luckily, uh, uh, Orca had just lost their BMW contract, rally contract. And uh, so, Hugh Deshaunak was receptive to uh, my monetary limitations and uh, receptive to using production parts. And so, I sent the vehicle over to Paul Ricard. Uh, the GTSR that you have a picture of mm -hmm. that we built, the team built, sent the car over to Hugh and uh, two weeks uh, went by and the team's all worried. We haven't heard anything. And I said, I can tell you this much. A, he hasn't broken anything. <laughs> and B, he's still running a 24-hour Le Mans simulation, which he was. Wow. And uh, so after about a month, he called up and said, I'll do it. <laughs> and uh, so we managed to have a race car, the first one at Le Mans, totally production components, other than uh, the transmission had a little titanium um, sinks because uh, the regular wouldn't make it. But, mm -hmm. but it was totally a production car. And uh, so that was... Really a big pride for me and for the team. No doubt. And uh, Yeah. And, and in fact, the first time we ran that car at Daytona to get some experience for Le Mans, uh, Victor Sifton, who was one of our drivers and uh, team owners, uh, had to put it into the wall to miss a Porsche that had gone astray. And uh, so the car is basically totaled, in their opinion, and the team, in 24 hours, rebuilt that car, wow. and it was back out on the track. Oh, my goodness. Running. So uh, that, that, that was really a, a team effort, but uh, a great deal of pride in being able to do that. So that's why that's a special car in my life. Why that makes sense. And for you listeners, I'll put a picture of that car on Roy's show notes page on the Cars yeah website so you can see that fire-breathing Viper because it's a monster. Right. That's for sure. Now, I'm going to be a, your car psychologist here today, Roy. Kind of uh, crawl into your okay. head, head a little bit. If you were reincarnated, pun intended, or manifest as a vehicle, not what you want to be, but how you perceive the attributes of you, yourself, in a vehicle, what would you be and, more importantly, why? I'd be a Ferrari. Okay. Because because of their, they I uh, consulted for Ferrari for four or five years. Oh, wow. Uh, I was always amazed by their concentration on aerodynamics. 
uh, it didn't matter where it was, whether you could see it or not. So their underbodies are just unbelievably aerodynamic. Uh, and so that that really appealed to me, their concentration. And when I was working for Ferrari, they had uh, three wind tunnels, one of which no one could go into. That was the race wind tunnel, which had a movable floor. Uh, but three wind tunnels. And at that point, before the tech center for Chrysler, Chrysler didn't have one wind tunnel. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So that just shows Ferrari's commitment to uh, to aerodynamics. So that's why I'd be a, a Ferrari, and uh, I'd rather have Phil Hill driving for me, <laughs> and I'd be a I'd be a passenger. Yeah, Phil was uh, a fantastic individual, and uh, I did I did get to ride with him on the nerve nerve ring. No kidding! Uh, wow, and and uh, just. A sense, uh, you know, as a, a would-be racer, the sense that uh, a Brian Redman, a Phil Hill, a Bobby Rahal have, something is different about their their brain that they can envision the limitations of that vehicle and go right to the limit. Wow. And cool. sometimes beyond, but they can go to that limit. So that's why I'd ask, I'd have Phil Hill great driving answer. my Ferrari, <laughs> driving me. Yeah, great answer. How, right. about, how about a great book that you've enjoyed? Is there one you'd share with us today? Uh, no, as, as I said in my note to you, I'm, I'm a tech, <laughs> technical reader of magazines because okay. they're very current. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a good book reader. Uh, I've, read, I've read the DeLorean book, uh, which... Uh, I could smile because I knew him and uh, and worked for him at Chevrolet. So what he wrote and what he was, uh, a little bit of a two different thing. Uh, so I'm more a magazine, current current magazine reader. Okay, that's fair enough. Well, I'm going to enable you to go on the ultimate drive. And you touched on this. We may have already answered part of this question. I'm going to provide you with any vehicle in the world. And you can drive it anywhere you'd like. And you can be with anybody, including somebody who's passed. So if Phil's your guy, there you go. And you can be driving anywhere. So what does an ultimate drive look like for a guy like you? Uh, driving around Lake Como in Italy <laughs> in that Ferrari with Phil Hill. Uh, the tortuous roads and the up and the downs and uh, just really exciting driving. And Italians love fast cars. When we were in Italy for a race, and uh, my wife and I uh, had a room in a and b but the room was out over the road. And I thought, that's no big deal. I did not know that that weekend was a big rally race <laughs> going through that town. Yeah. And so on a Wednesday night, late at night, they're practicing. Oh my God! And they're going under us at high rates of speed, yeah. rather loud. Yeah. But Italians love it, so <laughs> that's why I pick Italy. So let's narrow this down to the kind of Ferrari. Would it be a modern day Ferrari or a classic Ferrari? Mm. Any Ferrari in the world, remember? A, yeah, I think a modern day. Modern day, okay. Um, yeah, the three fifty five I love. 
Unfortunately, I put in the dirt at the Ferrari racetrack. Uh-oh. But, uh, yeah, uh-oh. <laughs> and so I'm standing in the garage, the Ferrari garage, looking up at the wall, and on this wall is a huge picture of Enzio looking down in a dominating view. And I thought, oh. I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm in trouble, yeah. Yeah, wow. Very, very cool. Well, Roy, I think I could talk to you forever about all the things you've done in your automotive career. You've certainly worked with some incredible people, done some incredible projects, and I really appreciate your time today. Before I let you go, though, would you share maybe uh, some words of wisdom, a mantra, some success quotes, or some inspiration for our listeners? Yes. My my bywords, and uh, it was the bywords for the team, is make it happen. Hmm. <laughs> don't don't tell me excuses. Don't tell me this didn't happen or that didn't happen. Make it happen. You're responsible. You know what needs to be done. And so I'd say don't be an onlooker. Get in and be active. Make your life, make things happen around you, with your family, with your friends, with your community. Because uh, I'm in a small little community, but we have a 501c3 to support the school to buy things that the state won't buy for the school. Oh, nice. So we we bought ceramic furnaces. Uh, we bought uh, different things for the school almost a quarter million dollars. And uh, we do it all, just a, a very small group of committed retirees that uh, want to do something for the community. So my bywords are make it happen. I love it. Don't just be a spectator in life. How can people learn more about you and Team R Squared? Hmm. I haven't written any books. A number of people want me to, but I haven't done that yet. <laughs> that's quite an endeavor. <laughs> yeah, that's quite an endeavor. Do you have a, a website or LinkedIn? or? No, I don't. I'm on Facebook. Okay. And uh, I have a, a, an email. And uh, so my business cards have, have all that information on it, but I don't have a website. Well, listeners, I'll put some links on Roy Shona's page. You can find him on the Cars Yeah website. Just type in Roy Schoberg. But I'm going to spell his last name for you, S-J-O-B-E-R-G. And you can find some things there. Roy, hey, oh, before I let you go, though, I want to do a shout out to uh, our mutual friend, uh, Judy Stropas, for introducing me to Roy today. Judy brings me some tremendous guests. I think Judy knows everybody in the automotive industry, right, right? That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh when the Daytona the 500 or the 24-hour Daytona, I talked about Judy helped do our t timing I mean, yeah. during during the racing. So uh known Judy a long time and uh, a pleasure to be with her for the Philadelphia uh, concourse, uh, which will be the end of this month. Absolutely. Yeah, she's wonderful. She's the timing queen. Roy, thanks for being so generous today with your time and sharing some of your history. We could talk for hours. Maybe I'll have you back someday. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Okay, Mark. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, 
a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!